Welcome to Funds in Focus by the senior members of the investment strategy team at FlexShares Exchange Traded Funds. Join our experts as they explore how current market trends are shaping the investment landscape. In each episode, you'll learn how a specific FlexShares ETF operates and how the market has impacted the fund, along with the potential long-term implications of your client's portfolio. Now, on to the show. Hello, my name is Juhan Mady of Northern Trust Flexshares Exchange Traded Funds, and welcome to Funds in Focus. Today, we're going to focus on interest rates, money markets, and the exchange traded fund Flexshares Ready Access Variable Income Fund, or ticker RAVI, R-A-V-I. Looking at today's interest rate environment and outlook, investors today must feel like they're sitting through a remake of a bad Hollywood movie. In 2008, in response to the Great Financial Crisis, or GFC, the Federal Reserve, or Fed, implemented multiple rounds of quantitative easing, or QE, which consist of asset purchases through 2014 and held the overnight interest rate at virtually zero from December 2008 until December 2015. That was seven years of zero interest rate policy, or as some people refer to it as ZERP, to which many US and global investors gladly bid adieu. Then came 2020 and COVID-19. Faced with the truly unprecedented economic demand and supply shock to the global economy, the Federal Reserve once again implemented QE purchases of mortgage-backed securities, MBS, and US treasuries and lowered the overnight rate once again to virtually zero. It's ZERP, the remake. Joining me today for a review of this remake edition of ZERP and discussions of ideas investors can pursue to address their liquidity investing objectives during the ZERP environment is Mark Carlson, Senior Investment Strategist for Northern Trust Flexures ETFs. Welcome back, Mark. So the remake of ZERP, your reaction? Well, Jihan, it is a remake I never wanted to see again during my career in investments, and once again, a key indicator of the challenging economic and investment conditions investors face today and in the future. The 2008 version of ZERP was needed to repair the self-inflicted damage to the world's financial system as global banks, financial firms, and markets needed time and favorable financing rates to restructure, recapitalize, and delever. The U.S. moved more quickly to recapitalize the banking industry, and therefore the Federal Reserve was able to end QE purchases in the second half of 2014, and then begin the process of removing the zero interest rate policy in December 2015. Unfortunately, other developed markets did not move as quickly to recapitalize their financial systems, and then experimented with NERP, or negative interest rate policy. Most of Europe and Japan currently have negative short and intermediate term nominal interest rates, a situation that existed even before the COVID-19 crisis as a confluence of existing and long-term trends and conditions hindered economic recovery and growth. I will say that the one positive is that to date, U.S. policymakers are discounting the use of negative interest rates here in the U.S., due to the perceived lack of success in other economies on their ability to contribute to economic recovery and to potentially lead to unproductive behaviors by investors and savers in pursuit of capital preservation in the face of negative yields and fees, producing negative net income. If U.S. policymakers were to move to negative interest rate policy or NERP, that would be a bad sequel to ZERP, not a remake. 
so it appears that we have a remake, not a sequel. But even the most faithful Hollywood remakes have different settings and casts. So what's different this time with ZERP 2020? Well, to start with, U.S. and global econ uh, economies' interest rates were already at very low levels versus the early stages of the GFC. So there is less nominal interest rate decline impact to be gained from re reintroduction of ZERP. Also, this is a different crisis versus the GFC, where today we have witnessed an unprecedented collapse of global demand as sheltering in place, remote work, and travel restrictions have cut into spending at the same time disrupting certain supply chains. Today, the financial institutions that once contributed to the GFC are in fairly good shape, in part due to market support from the Federal Reserve. And it is the consumer and the non-financial businesses that we believe require assistance through fiscal policy to replace lost revenue, income, and cash flow due to COVID-19 related shutdowns. This fiscal and market support has helped keep to date bankruptcies and defaults at what I will call reasonable levels given the magnitude of the slowdown. Another difference that could have a material impact over the longer term is the change in the Federal Reserve's policy in its dual mandate of full employment and stable prices or inflation. The Fed has said that it will now tolerate inflation above 2% after periods of lower inflation in order to promote full employment. The Fed is also adjusting how it views full employment because historical measures are subject to revisions. And in some cases, these measures have difficulty fully accounting for employment due to the evolution of the US labor market like the gig labor market. What this could mean for future interest rates is a potential steepening of the yield curve. If inflation expectations increase and investors believe that the Federal Reserve will not act to raise interest rates to curb that inflation. One last difference, but one with some familiarity with the GFC has been the COVID-19 market meltdown and the move to ZERP and its impact on the money market fund industry. Uh, following issues in the money fund space during the great financial crisis, the SEC revised rules governing retail and institutional money market funds in an attempt to prevent another crisis in the sector. The new ZERP and the new SEC money market rules are impacting investors' management of their short-term liquidity portfolios in a period where generating current income is especially challenging as yields from treasury and banking products are once again at historically low levels. Yeah, that's an important point. Uh, once the Fed started to move off the first reserve policy in 2015, yields on money market funds were generally trending higher. So what happened in 2020 to disrupt the sector once again? Well, going back to 2014, the SEC passed new rules to address the liquidity and credit quality of retail and institutional money market funds, introducing liquidity requirements and reducing the credit risk measures maturity, reducing maturity restrictions and mechanisms to allow the funds to act to protect remaining shareholders in the case of large withdrawals. When the COVID-19 crisis hit U.S. and global markets in force during March 2020, the extreme level of uncertainty over the future of the economy led to a dearth of market liquidity as investors hoarded cash. Even the treasury bill market witnessed some temporary liquidity issues, something that did not occur in 2008. Money market funds facing investor redemptions faced a challenging task of honoring redemptions, yet protecting the fund's share price. 
prime institutional money market funds were susceptible to large redemptions if multiple investors with sizable assets in the funds elected to redeem in order to hold cash. Some primary institutional money funds had to utilize special measures in order to meet redemptions, and several funds were closed down or converted to government-only funds in the months following the COVID-19 market shocks. Despite the industry's best efforts, markets continue to present unforeseen risks. So Mark, what has FlexShares attempted to do in an effort to try and address these types of issues within fixed income strategy to hopefully help investors through these challenging periods of managing short-term liquidity assets? Well, back in 2012, FlexShares investment strategy team published our thoughts on short-term liquidity investing, highlighting the changes to the short-term markets that resulted from the GFC and potential changes to the money market fund industry. We introduced the concepts of preservation capital and investing liquidity, and that in the future, we believe that investors would need to choose between these two distinct objectives for their liquidity assets. Prior to the GFC, investors could potentially receive overnight liquidity, stable dollar NAV, and a competitive return from money market funds. We believe the GFC exposed issues in the market liquidity and stable NAV themes. In summary, our theory was that investors were going to face higher costs, be it fees or lower returns, in order to achieve those same investment objectives. This meant protecting asset value and overnight liquidity would now become more expensive. We at FlexShares raised the prospect that increasingly going forward, investors were going to need to choose between capital preservation and investing liquidity where if the investor's main investment objective was protection and ease of access to funds, that being capital preservation, investors were going to have to accept lower income as these investment features were going to be at a premium value going forward. On the other hand, for investors who could tolerate some level of price volatility, there would be investment options to allow for potentially higher returns versus capital preservation options. For those investors who understand and appreciate that all sectors of an investment portfolio should be used to maximize investment objectives, the need to squeeze appropriate levels of compensated risk-based short-term current income from their liquidity holdings, that there are investment options. This is the concept that we described as investing liquidity. Sure. And it seems that investing liquidity was the foundation for the creation of the FlexShares Ready Excess Variable rate ETF, Ravi, which launched in the fall of 2012. Uh, Looking back, Mark, did the markets actually develop the way you and the FlexShares investment strategy team expected? Well, for the most part, they did. In 2014, the SEC announced their revisions to Rule 2A7 money market funds, limiting the fund's ability to invest in lower rated credits and lowering the average maturity levels in an effort to enhance liquidity and credit quality. We believe this created the expected investment capital preservation option we foresaw. We also saw where there would be an opportunity to fill the void left in the short end of the yield curve between three months and one year, between money market funds on the very short end and short-term bond funds on the long end. We felt with an actively managed strategy built on Northern Trust Asset Management's decades of fixed income management experience, and while the, the Rule 2A7 does not relate to Ravi as an exchange-traded fund, Ravi could potentially offer 
higher returns versus money market funds with reasonable price volatility. But that volatility might potentially be lower versus a short-term bond fund. This would allow investors the potential to earn a better current income return versus having to pay for the capital preservation that money market funds were being constrained to by the new SEC rules. Additionally, the Ravi strategy considered the assets that could be committed to within the strategy as being outside of what some view as a traditional fixed income allocation within a portfolio. Our thinking was that these assets can be targeted for a liquidity objective, whether that was for spending needs, future portfolio allocations, or even as an effort to take a risk reduction position. So Mark, with that in mind, can you walk our listeners through the investment strategy behind Ravi and how they might want to consider utilizing the fund in today's volatile and uncertain markets? Uh, Certainly. There are two key investment decisions to be made by the portfolio management team where to position duration of the fund and management of the credit allocation within the portfolio. Duration, of course, is one of the key investment characteristics of a fixed income investment, as it is the indicator of the price sensitivity of the investment to changes in interest rates. Higher duration results in greater price sensitivity. Lower duration means less price sensitivity. Ravi's stated duration positioning is generally less than one year, and in practical terms, the Northern Trust Portfolio Management or PM team have generally managed the average duration of the fund between three months and one year. We believe the view on future interest rates is critical for active management, and to assist the PMs, Northern Trust Asset Management or NTAM has an interest rate strategy group made up of senior investment partners that meet weekly to discuss economic and market inputs and sets NTAM's tactical near-term interest rate outlook. Ravi's PM team may then incorporate this outlook into their portfolio management of Ravi. Can you give us an example of active duration positioning? Well, as an example of active duration positioning, a stable or declining interest rate outlook might be reflected in the portfolio by utilizing investments that offer longer duration and position the portfolio duration closer to the higher end of the duration range. If, however, there's an expectation of rising interest rates, the PMs might invest in securities that offer shorter duration and position the portfolio closer to the lower end of the duration range. At the same time, the PM team must decide what level of credit risk the portfolio should contain between exposure to little little to low risk investments such as treasuries or agency mortgage-backed securities to more credit sensitive instruments like corporate bonds and notes. Ravi's stated requirement is that a security be investment grade quality at the time of investment. In addition to the interest rate strategy group, NTAM has a credit strategy group that is responsible for the tactical outlook on US credit including what we believe will be the direction of option-adjusted spreads, or OAS. Ravi's PM team can then take this input along with the interest rate outlook and the desired duration positioning to manage a portfolio in an effort to deliver attractive current income with minimal volatility. That's great. Can you give our listeners a better idea of the types of securities Ravi invests in? Sure. The core investments for Ravi include, but are not limited to, Uh, treasuries, uh, T-bills or notes, corporate bonds, both floating and fixed rate, 
repurchase agreements, or also known as repo. These are typically overnight secured loans made to financial firms, and repo is used for managing the liquidity of the fund. The team also invests in commercial paper, or CP, which are short-term corporate debt used by companies to meet short-term cash needs versus long-term debt that make up the long-term capital structure of the balance sheet. CP can provide attractive short-term current income over treasuries and other high-quality non-corporate issuers. These are just some of the key types of fixed income securities Robbie's portfolio management team can use to construct the portfolio. So then what are the ramifications for the PM team given today's interest rate environment? In today's ZERP environment with one year and shorter treasury bills yielding less than 15 basis points and with NTAM's expectations that the Federal Reserve will hold the overnight rate low for years going forward, and with no expectation that a NERP policy will be pursued, the PMs are currently biased towards longer duration. However, the flatness of the yield curve in the very short end does not, in their current opinion, warrant overextending as uh, the general uncertainty of the economy, the ongoing COVID-19 vaccine trials, and the pending 2020 election may impact short-term interest rates. We believe conditions are favorable for corporate credit as Federal Reserve support programs announced in late March and then implemented in the second quarter to added stability to the corporate market and the reopening of the economy, though slow and uneven, has helped revive revenue and earnings outlooks. And how does this play out in the management of Ravi portfolio? Well, one strategy the PM team may utilize to potentially produce income is to hold longer-term debt with a maturity of out to, say, five years and combine that with short-term holdings that help the portfolio maintain a duration that is under one year. This flexibility in credit and maturity terms allows the PM team to take advantage of opportunities that we believe are unavailable to money market funds. Great. Please summarize your final thoughts for investors. Given the developments over the past 12 years with the great financial crisis and the COVID-19 crisis, we at FlexShares truly believe that investors would benefit by making a decision regarding liquidity assets. For those who desire a high degree of capital preservation and overnight liquidity, we believe the available investment options are not going to be able to produce the same level of income once available pre-2008. Our theory is that investors are now being required to sacrifice income in de facto paying for these investment services either directly or indirectly. For those investors not requiring these investment attributes, Ravi may present an opportunity to potentially earn attractive levels of current income with minimal NAV movement. With the high level of uncertainty over the direction of the U.S. and global economies, investors could well be biased towards holding more cash and liquidity in their portfolios in an effort to reduce risk and to prepare for potential investment opportunities. We believe our feelings are that investors would be well advised to not have their assets just sit on the sidelines, but attempt to extract as much potential value as possible from their portfolio. We believe Ravi may be a good option. Our opinion is that Ravi has a solid track record over the past eight years, despite what we think has been a very difficult investment environment for fixed income. The Ravi ETF is one of several FlexShares fixed income funds with over $500 billion in assets managed by NTAM. 
The team of portfolio managers and investment analysts bring decades of experience in the management of fixed income ETFs, mutual funds, common, collective, and separately managed accounts for individuals and institutional investors. We believe that today's ZERP is a remake that most investors never wanted to see made. The one major difference, I believe, is that most of today's investors have seen this movie before and therefore may possess a better understanding of the needed investment actions in response to zero interest rate policies. Of course, we at Flexures feel Robbie is an attractive investment vehicle to help meet an investor's goals. Excellent. Well, thanks again for joining us today, Mark. We appreciate your time. Thank you for listening to Funds and Focus. You can learn more about us by visiting our website, go.flexshares.com slash fundsandfocus. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. Before investing, carefully consider the FlexShares investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. This and other information is in the prospectus and a summary prospectus, copies of which may be obtained by visiting www.flexshares.com. Read the prospectus carefully before you invest. Foresight Fund Services, LLC Distributor. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. There is no guarantee that a specific strategy will be successful. ETFs are subject to specific risks, depending on the nature of the underlying strategy of the fund. These risks could include liquidity risk, sector risk, as well as risks associated with fixed income securities, real estate investments, and commodities, to name a few. FlexShares Ready Access Variable Income Fund is not a money market fund. Unlike money market mutual funds, ETFs, ETFs do not sell or redeem their shares at net asset value, NAV, except to authorized participants. Instead, shares are traded on a securities exchange at the prevailing market price. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. FlexShares Ready Access Variable Income Fund, RAVI, is an actively managed, non-diversified fund that invests in fixed income and debt securities issued by U.S. public and U.S. and non-U.S. private sector entities, including mortgage or asset-backed securities. Foreign emerging securities may involve certain risks such as currency volatility, political and social instability, and reduced market liquidity. The fund is subject to credit default, prepayment, fall, and interest rate risk. As interest rates rise, the value of bond prices will decline. The fund is subject to concentration risk of securities in a single developed market. Please read the fund's prospectus for specific details regarding the fund's risk profile.